Welcome to the Burn Bag. My name is Ryan Rosenthal here with House Armed Services Chairman Representative Adam Smith. Chairman Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you had a fantastic panel this morning where you talked about perceptions of Americans on America's role in the world. And it said from the survey from the Reagan Institute that perceptions on the U.S. role on the global stage has decreased about the, the activeness of the U.S. from 50% down to 40% from 2019 until 2022. And so kind of with this change in Americans' perceptions, how can members of Congress, such as yourself, go back their con- to their constituents and shore up more support for America's role? And engagement, of course, as, as you've said, is not just military, it's diplomatic, it's development. How can we demonstrate to American people that it's important for America to be engaged? Well, it's impor- important to remember, remember the survey, basically, the people, it wasn't that 60% of the people said we should disengage. Uh, a significant number of the people said it depends on how we're engaging. And I think that's the main thing we need to focus on. And as I said in the panel this morning, you, know, you really have to recognize that for the last 20 years, we have been engaged militarily in a fairly aggressive way across the world in a way that we hadn't been since World War II, frankly, um, between Iraq, Afghanistan, and what we used to call the global war on terror. America has been out there in the world dropping bombs in a lot of places and fighting in a lot of places. And I think most Americans feel that they weren't happy with the results of that. Um, and I don't, you know, for the moment want to get back into a discussion of all the decisions that went into Iraq or Afghanistan or our counterterrorism efforts. But I think any policymaker, any, any person in this country has to recognize the damage that those 20 years have done to our credibility in terms of the role of the world, certainly domestically, also internationally, by the way. And so step number one is to be humble about it. I think the days of American exceptionalism, American first, you're either with us or you're against us, you know, we're going to you know, impose our will on the world. If any of those days ever should have been in place, and I don't think they should have, they certainly have no role now. So we have to be humble about it. We have to recognize that we can play a role. We're not, we're not dominating the world. We're not controlling where things are going. The world's sole remaining superpower, you know, the end of history and all that. Hmm. It's a big, complicated world, and we need to be humble about it, but we need to play a role. Um, I think that's the most important thing. And then to build that narrative, like I talked about, well, what role? What what are we trying to do? Why does it matter for us to be engaged in in the Middle East or South Asia or Europe? And it's really, we are trying to build a more peaceful, more prosperous world through a rules-based system um, that resolves our differences peacefully through international organizations and in cooperation that respects sovereignty, first of all. You cannot change borders through violence. Um, and then tries to resolve differences, you know, peacefully and in a cooperative fashion, and that the the direction of that should be towards greater economic and political freedom to give people, you know, more freedom in terms of how they want to engage economically, and to give more voice in how they are governed, and to be and to move that forward. So we've, we've got to reconnect with the American people and what it is exactly that we are doing in our role in the world and, and sell that narrative. And there, I think, you've seen very strong support for our efforts to defend Ukraine, even at a great cost. You know, there's the, certainly the cost in money, but the impact on energy prices, and you still see strong support. So if we make the case with humility um, and clarity, I, I, think, I think the American people still recognize that the U.S. needs to play a role in the world. And so with the war in Ukraine in particular, of course, there is significant support, particularly you know, in, in Congress, but also with the American people. For those who don't support the war, what would you say to them? Right? Why is it important for America to support Ukraine? Ukraine is thousands of miles away. Yeah. Some you know, Americans don't believe that it's particularly in our interest. They don't want to go to World War III. As the, the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, 
what is the national security imperative to support Ukraine? Well, the first thing I would do if I encountered anyone, I haven't encountered many people like that, is I say, why? You know, I always want to know where people are coming from before I start telling them, you know, what I think. So what's the argument? What's the concern? Um, but, but broadly speaking, the reason it's important is because we have had a rise in autocracy, a rise in violently trying to change borders across the world that is a threat beyond just Ukraine and beyond just Russia. Um, Vladimir Putin, President Xi in China, Iran, uh, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, various terrorist organizations, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, are directly threatening exactly what I just described earlier. They believe that this rules-based international order that the U.S. and our partners have tried to you know, put in place and preserve, they're trying to blow it up. Okay, And they're trying to blow it up so that they can bully their way through more of the world. That's the bottom line. So if Putin is successful in Ukraine, if he's able to erase Ukraine off the map and fold them back into a, you know, revanchists or whatever, a new empire for Russia, um, then that gives President Xi and gives others license to do that. So, you know, it is beyond just what's going on in Ukraine. It is a threat to stability everywhere um, and a threat to that basic global order. And the Ukrainian people... I mean, they have, they were not threatening Russia, okay? Russia just felt like Ukraine should be part of Russia, that they should be, you know, within Russia's so-called sphere of influence and control. And that is a direct violation of all those principles I just laid out. Sovereignty, peacefully resolving differences, economic and political freedom. You know, Ukraine is a, is a, is a republic democracy. They elect their, their leaders. Um, they should not be subjected to this type of violence. And if Russia succeeds, that opens the door to more people doing it. If they fail, I think it sends a strong message that the, the, the forces for global order are strong enough and determined enough to stand up against that. And it will force future leaders who want to try and do that to think twice before they do. So with the critics, particularly in the House, who say that there should be more oversight, that the, the, the weapons and the aid that is going to Ukraine are being misused or maybe going to you know, malign actors, um, you, of course, have said that you, know, you think it's being effective. How, what would you say to those who may question the use of American taxpayer money that is going to Ukraine, and why do you believe it's effectively being used to fight war against Russia? Well, first of all, I say it's perfectly appropriate to have oversight of that. It is. But we do have oversight of that. Okay, we do. I mean, that's, you know, we sent the weapons there. And then, you know, the other thing is, as I pointed out repeatedly, is I think the evidence that that oversight is being effective is the fact that the Ukrainians are succeeding. Okay. They, I mean, they, nobody thought that they would survive, you know, like a month. You know, they pushed the Russians back from Kiev. They're now retaking territory. I mean, it is a bloody, ugly fight that we all hope will end sooner rather than later. But you cannot question that the Ukrainians have had a level of success that nobody expected. They would not be having that success if they were taking our weapons and selling them on the black market. And they wouldn't. All right. So there is oversight. And the second thing that I would say is I would warn people that Russia has a very aggressive propaganda machine. And they are puking out every message you can to try to undermine support for Ukraine um, in the U.S., in the West, everywhere. And this is one of their message points. You know, they're, they're putting out stories about you know, weapons being taken and sent elsewhere, about corruption in Ukraine. It's Russian propaganda 
there is no evidence at the moment that any of these weapons have wound up going, you know, anywhere other than where they were supposed to. Now, I'm sure that some weapons have been captured in the back and forth between, in the fight between Russia. So understand the power of the Russian propaganda machine. Understand that there is oversight, um, and we are checking on this. And at the moment, it seems to be working quite well, and we should be, we should be happy about that. So when we think about the larger foreign policy challenges, of course, China comes to mind. And of course, I believe China is probably looking at this war in Ukraine, looking at America's response, looking at Russia's success or lack thereof. Um, how can the United States better prepare itself by looking at lessons learned from Russia's seemingly failed war in Ukraine to ensure that any future adversary who attempts to go out and maybe engage in violations of sovereignty right. or uh, other wars, how do we say as the United States that this is unacceptable? How do we show support for our other allies that may be at risk like Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, two big things. One, have an adequate deterrent and have strong partners. I mean, that, that's the most important aspect of this. And I think that the alliances and partnerships that have been built to try to go back, to try to support Ukraine, it's, it's amazing how NATO has come together. And there are also non-NATO partners that are also participating in this in a variety of different ways. So build that strong network. We Stronger together, if you will. Okay. Um, not to be cliche, but it's true. Um, you know, the more countries we have working together towards that. So that's important. And then, you know, understanding how to deter. And that's the, I think, the strength of asymmetry warfare. Um, and that's my, my mantra of, you know, missiles, drones, missile defense, and counter drone capability. And I would also put in their information systems, as I've said, you know, for a relatively small amount of money, we don't, have, we don't have to send vulnerable allies aircraft carriers, okay? If we get them enough missiles and enough targeting capability, strong enough information systems, enough drone, enough drones, enough missile defense, they become a, you know, the, the porcupine cliche now, you know, a, a very tough target that, that even a big, powerful nation like China or Russia would be deterred because they would see that a, a, a smaller, you know, force that has less, even has less money can still use that in a way that can deter them. So that build that deterrence and build those partnerships. So just one final question before we wrap up today. A lot of defense is thought about external, external threats, you know, fighting yeah. against some external enemy. But when we look internally in the United States, there are a lot of challenges, right? There are a lot of, you know, whether it's you know, far-right extremism, extremism in other forms. Um, do we need to look internally before we look externally in order to ensure that the United States is well protected? Yeah. Well, to answer your specific question, I agree with you, but I don't agree with the phrasing. We need to do both. Okay. okay. Yeah, you have to do both. But absolutely, without any question, you know, the, the internal discord that we've experienced in the last several years is one of the greatest challenges to us being able to build that coalition that I spent so much time describing a few minutes ago. You know, because that coalition, and this is part of, and also it's part of Putin and Xi's argument, that democracy, look at those clowns, you know, and get out of their own way. Okay, so the degree to which we can effectively govern ourselves is a great advertisement for, you know, the, the fact that the, the, what we're talking about should be embraced globally. And I think this last election was an example of that. You know, there's a lot of different, Liz Cheney put it best. It was a victory for team normal. Um, it wasn't a matter of, you know, Republicans winning everything or Democrats winning everything. But the candidates who ran defending representative democracy, you know, the, 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 the idea of respecting the outcome of elections, they won. The ones that didn't, lost in a whole lot of different places. So I think we bounced back pretty strong in the 2022 elections to show people that democracy works. And also we're starting to see that, that autocracy has its limitations as well, as President Putin and President Xi are experiencing difficulties. But yes, 
having a strong domestic um, government, you know, meeting our obligations, passing bills, governing effectively, showing that you can have elections and then govern effectively. The House is going to switch. I'm the chairman now. A month from now, I won't be. Uh, and that's fine. Okay, we're going to go back to work. You know, I'm not going to riot. Um, you know, I'm not going to take up arms. You know, I'm going to go work with the, the new majority because that's the way democracy works. Showing that strength, you're absolutely right. I think that is the most important thing. We can't ignore the external threats. We can better manage those external threats if we're strong internally. And we still, we still have a lot of work to do on that, no doubt. Chairman Smith, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it.